You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Educator Podcast. My name is Eugene Pitchford, and it's a pleasure to, to be with you all this evening. Got my main man, we got Stevie G. Stevie, what's up? Eugene, good to, good to be with you tonight, like always. Steve, do you want the pleasure of introducing our special guest, or do you want me to do it? Or can we both do it? We should both do it. That's how special it is. We should both do it. We've, we've never done both. All right. You want to start or you want me to start? I'll start it off. We have with us, and we have a very special guest. We've known this person through the college days. We've watched this person up close professionally. We're friends with this person. We are talking today to Hannah Jaden. Add to that, Eugene. All right. So... I remember when I first met Hannah, I didn't meet her from you, Steve. I met Hannah through James S. Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Shout out to James. I haven't talked to him in a long time. All right, big shouts out to James Mitchell. I, I talked to James last week in St. Louis. And Hannah was a person that came across to me. It's like, wow, it's like, this is the total educator. Like you don't see it too often. And she had like the teacher look. That you don't have, like, you can't teach the teacher look. And then after that, Dr. Gurner, Stevie, would, 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 would talk about Hannah. So now I kind of made the connection. But I want to introduce to y'all, like, literally, the baddest educator. And I'm saying bad in a good way. The baddest educator in America. Wow. I, I haven't seen too many leaders that are at the level that you are. And I'm including myself in this one. Like, like you're really on a different planet when it comes to education. So that's, so everyone give it up for Miss Hannah Jaden. Miss Hannah, how you doing? Wow, thank you so much. That introduction was more than I could have ever asked for. I appreciate that. And I'm super excited uh, to be here talking to you guys and talk about superhero educators. I am a little disappointed though, after I read, I was looking for my name in the book. So Gurner, I'm blaming that on <laughs> We just didn't want to embarrass you with all the good things. And then you had to always answer to, to everybody why you're in every chapter. <laughs> hey, I tried to get you in the book and Gurner said, absolutely not. So <laughs> no, take that up with him. Let, let me tell my Hannah story. So teaching undergrads, teaching future teachers, connecting with people all across the city, then these two crazy female students, they come up and they, they say, we want to be, we want to teach in the city. We want to be better than everybody else. In fact, give us, we need to get resources. We want books. What are you reading? What should we be reading? I gave some resources. And then Hannah and Julianne, the two students come back to me and go, what else? What else? I just gave you a bunch of books. No, give us more. And then give us into schools. Don't hold back. We want to go into schools. This is first year, second year student things that everybody else was just happy to get to class and possibly do a five page paper, reflection paper, those kind of things we do in general ed. And they were ready to go. They were, 
so good. It was hard to hide that with other students because you really go, this is what you know is gonna make a great teacher and impact students and families. So that's what I was able to have the pleasure with for four years, having people push me, two students push me and, and continue to do that. So that, that's been great. So every time I was getting a little relaxed, hey, what's another school? Kerner, give me another school, give us another resource. We wanna be the best. So that's the memory I have of Hannah and her friend Julianne, both uh, outstanding superhero educators. Where's Julianne at now? I don't think I've ever met her. Have I met her? She'll be watching this. Oh yeah, you met yeah, her. I told her. I told her that we were going live. She um, is currently in Oakland, California. So she moved okay. out of Milwaukee. Um, she's like maybe five years now. But yeah, shout out to Julianne. Love yep. her, best friend. So Hannah, tell us. Uh, we added some some background, but who is Hannah, Jaden? What's your journey educationally? Take us through that. Yeah, sure. So, um, really, kind of what Dr. Gerner said. I started um, at Concordia University after graduating high school in Green Bay, um, and went into nursing. That's like one of the biggest reasons why I went to Concordia because they have a good nursing program. Um, and a couple weeks into the first semester. I was in class, like an intro to nursing class, passed out, fell off my chair. It was a huge fiasco. Um, and I decided to change my major the next day. So at the time, um, I was volunteering at the SOS Center. Gurner, you set that up. I don't know if you remember that, the SOS Center on North Avenue. Um, and just fell in love with what I was doing. Um, and so changed my major to education, knowing that I wanted to work in the city. Um, so after I graduated from Concordia, um, I taught middle school, like all different subjects for four years on the north side of Milwaukee. Where, where'd you um, teach at? I taught at Hope Christian School, Fortis. Okay. Yep. And I did a residency year at St. Marcus as well. So, and that was a game changer, like the residency I did during my senior year of college. So I would do the block in the afternoon and teach all morning at St. Marcus seventh grade math. Um, so then after that, I transitioned to help open a school on the north side of Milwaukee um, as the founding dean of students. And it really like that took, that was like my goal, right? Was to be a dean of students. Um, and then I loved the work and found a different passion and really like helping kids with high school and college access. Um, so then last year I moved to Minneapolis um, to work for the biggest national charter school organization in the country. Um, and I currently work as our high school placement and transition advisor. Um, so our program works with students um, starting in eighth grade. So my caseload is eighth graders, ninth graders and 10th graders. And then we follow our students six years after they graduate from high school. Um, so they have the support throughout high school, college, um, if they decide not to go to college with career, um, just the, the pathways to that. Um, and it's really amazing. Like I absolutely love what I'm doing and I'm getting so much joy out of it. Um, so that's kind of where, how I'm here and what I'm doing now. So, so, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of, of your journey because Gurner gave you a, a, a nice one. That was nice, Gurner, but put the listeners one more. 
<laughs> so I want to know along that path, when did you realize, whether it's college, whether it's high school, whether it's, I think you said, I don't you didn't use the word immersion trip, but you use a different word. Like, when did you realize you were a leader? Like the, the, the specific moment. And then the second question is, when did you realize you were wired differently as an educator? Because you're wired differently than most of the people. So, so like those two questions, I think it will be a good context as a follow-up to what you just said. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first question was, when did I determine that? Now, when did you know you were a leader, just in general? Like, what was the exact moment? I think, um, I really think that Gurner kind of hit on it in the sense of, like, once Julianne and I started our, like, journey of we're committing to this, I have always been a go-getter. My mom would all, like, that's how my parents would describe me, a go-getter. And so I never want to do anything mediocre. Um, so I just remember like being in college and <laughs> recognizing like the things I was learning in college classes were not going to be applicable, applicable to me in a classroom on the north side of Milwaukee. Um, and I'm a great student. I graduated with 4.0, but like none of that really mattered to me. It was how do I get into classrooms um, what books can I read that are going to give me the most accurate, helpful information? What teachers can I connect with? I think the biggest thing in my success for me is really like my ability to network and connect with people and like find people on LinkedIn and Facebook and add them, even if they don't have a clue who I am, but like start that conversation. And I have gotten so many amazing mentors and connections through doing that work. Um, and so really, I think in the beginning of, of college, when we were the ones going into classrooms and coming back and sharing stories and other people had no idea what was going on in classrooms, that really made me think like, damn, we have a lot of work to do like for teacher education. Can, can I say this? And I know Garner got a, Garner got a, gonna, he has a new, another question for you, but let me, let me say this because I'll forget if I don't say this later. Do you know? I don't think you realize that you know that you have students and their goal is, I want to be like Hannah. Like we have, we have students that we work with and like you're the blueprint and you're the model. Like. Don't make me cry pitch first. That is, that is true. But that it's true. true. Like you, like you're the blueprint. Yeah. Like that's gotta be a weird and amazing feeling. But I have, we have, well, I don't know if you have Garner. But I haven't come across anyone else in education outside of James Mitchell. You two are the only people I've heard as reference as the blueprint. When Hannah spoke to uh, future teachers, spoke to future teachers about what it takes and some advice, after the presentation, there was a line. So no one left after the presentation. They all got in line to uh, get contact information and, and follow her and try to connect so with social media. Yeah. So that, that you can show right there is, is the value. And I do remember sitting in a charter school in Milwaukee, sitting in an office 
because Hannah's pushing me and Julianne. So I'm sitting here in an office telling the administrative assistant, we just need to get in a classroom here to see this, uh, to see some great teachers. And, <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the office going, okay, I have two students that want to get it done. So, so because you're wired differently, because you have that natural leadership, what, let's take the other side. So you see things in education that goes up and down constantly. I always think it's like a roller coaster. Days when you feel like, wow, we are transforming students' lives and you feel like you can just run home like you have so much energy and fired up. And then there's other days when you go, you know what? I just feel like getting my stuff, putting it in a box, maybe even keeping everything at school and just not going back. Yeah. So, so what drives you crazy about what frustrates you? Let's go right to there too. What frustrates you in education or what you're seeing right now? How much time do you have? <laughs> And you can mention Eugene if you want with the frustration. You can mention him by name if you want. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things I think in education that COVID has exposed. Um, there are so many things that I think are wrong with our education system being in it now an extensive period of time. Um, and I, I just look and... I think my perspective, I've grown so much in this past year because being in one classroom with 30 kids, like I got that. Like, I know that when I walk in the classroom, like that I can do what I do. Um, and then being a Dean and being like in charge of 350 kids, knowing that like everyone respects me, like I can do that. I know that. But now like really my position now in seeing like in working with kids that are in high school and college, we are not doing the work to prepare them efficiently in middle school and high school. Um, well, in specifically middle school, like from where I have the most experience, I think that repeat your question one more time. Cause I want to make sure I'm answering the question without going off on a tangent. Sure. I, I was thinking what, what drives you just drives you crazy knowing your personality and everything that you feel like it's, it's, we're not making progress. I just want to end it, not come back to the school. I think that we need to be more concerned about disrupting the narrative of what excellence looks like for inner city kids. Um, I think that Kids need to see themselves and dispel this idea of like false binaries. And you look at the comparison between like white students and black students, you can bring a white person in that's like a computer engineer. They're nerdy. Um, they're like kind of quiet. My black students are not going to see themselves in that person. But I have friends that are black computer engineers that know how to dress, that can relate to the kids. And there's not enough of that. I think that systematically, and we know that like our schooling system was built for white students and not enough schools are doing the work to really like dig into that and figure out why are black students not, why is there an achievement gap? And I don't like that term anymore. I think that the, if the system is based for a group of people, 
the assessments we know are racist. We know that the way of teaching, unless you know how to be culturally relevant in teaching, you're not teaching to black students. And I think that schools need to like really get on that bandwagon. It's not good enough to be mediocre or just okay anymore. Like I see kids and so my first set of students that I ever taught are in college. They're sophomores in college. My second um, group of kids that like that. So those are my residency kids. My second group of kids, my first year of teaching, they are now getting their college acceptance letters. And some, I mean, it, that is like the thing that I cry every time someone sends me one. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. But also like, I had a conversation with a student um, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you, this kid in middle school was the kid that wanted me to, I want to pull my hair out. Like every day I'm like, all right, what kind of Deshaun are we getting today? Like, God, I love him so much, but also like he was a challenge and we were just laughing about it because he's now grown. He works in construction. He has a choice filled life. He's doing amazing things. And like, I asked him, I said like, what, for you in middle school, like what took you down this path, right? Like, how are you now successful? Because for, and I told him like what I do now. And his answer was college was so like knocked into our brains where you have to go to college. You have to go to college to be successful. You have to go to college. But the alternative pathways that students have now are something that needs to be communicated with them as well, because he didn't go to college, but he's making almost as much money as I am. And he, that was one thing. And the other thing was that no, he always said it's people like you, that is why I showed up to school every day. Even if I was being an ASS, like, I knew that I had people like you in my corner. Um, and it was just amazing to like have this conversation with this 18 year old who I taught in sixth grade. Um, and so I just like, I think of all those students that I'm now able to communicate with in their like young adult years and think back to like the things I was doing in when I was teaching and the um, like just the practice of policing black bodies as a Dean and like, all these things. And I, I really think that COVID has exposed these things and that we like, we can't go back to the normal that was before COVID. That's well, let's, like, let's talk some specific because you, you, yeah. you hit something there that said, we're not doing well with, with black students. Let's push that out to students of color. What, what yeah. specifically have you seen? What, what works? You said the testing's not working. The, uh, not being culturally relevant. So what specifically is working? What have you seen? I think instead of working to close the achievement gap, we need to close the opportunity and access gap. Kids need to travel. Kids need to see people who look like them in positions of power. Um, I, and this, this might be a bold statement, but I believe that kids that are successful in our current education system, students of color that are successful in our current education system, 
are the ones that have been successful because they've been been able to bend quicker to the oppressive system and assessments Hmm. than other students. It's almost like code switching. Yes, 100%. And so I think that we need a curriculum based off of students of color, like people that they can relate to, that they are interested. I mean, engagement is the biggest thing. So, so, so Hannah, in the, in the same, in the same breath of Dr. Garner, I, I hear you saying a couple of things. I, I hear you saying some form of cultural relevance, right? So I, I heard you say that. I heard you say a focus on the academics, but also access. So if you choose not to go to high, not high school, but college, you do have skills to go into this field, that field, whatever. And I also heard you say, thought I heard you say, students seeing themselves like in the learning process or with with the educators. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you gotta know this question is coming. This is the million dollar question. So if you want students to see themselves in school and I'll just use black males, like we make up 2% of the field, like just just numerically, that's a tough task now. Now, when you broaden that out to females and males and females from other races, you know, it, it, it goes up, right? So how do you see getting more, more people of color into, into the classroom? So is, it, is the problem that people aren't looking, they're looking in the wrong spot, or is it just they aren't there to hire? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, one, education needs to be more valued as a profession. And I think you guys talked about this a little bit on another episode I was listening to and just like teachers need to get paid how much they work. Um, I I mean, as a teacher, I would be teaching for, I'd be at school at 6 a.m. I'd be teaching until like four, I'd be watching detention until five, I'd go home and I would prep for the next day until 11 o'clock at night. Um, the, like teachers that are going above and beyond need to be compensated for that work. Um, I know a lot of schools have moved to like bonuses regarding um, test scores. I don't necessarily agree with that because again, assessments are rooted in white supremacy culture. Um, some kids are going to do well. Some kids are not going to do well. Uh, I may have the group that excelled the year before and Gurner may have the group that all the be- had all the behavior issues. Right. So Gurner can make an argument that the deck was stacked against them. Which brings up a whole nother thing because I don't care what kind of kids you have in your classroom, like it's your job to reach them. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. So I, I think that's, I think that's first and foremost, because there's people that love kids. There's people that want to do like service work and want to be in the community, but they're going to avenues that they get paid more. I mean, like in order to be a breadwinner or be able to have a family, you can't be living off a teacher's salary in America right now. And so I think that is like first and foremost, like one of the biggest deterrents for people is compensation. I think you're right on. I think compensation's number one. And then I also think what you mentioned earlier, if you don't think, if you had a hard time at school or you picture teachers to have the stereotype, they're going to have apple little aprons with apples on it and they're going to be yelling all the time. That's not a profession that I want to get into. So your school experience has to be positive enough that you see that as a person you respect, you admire, you look up to, and then that's a field that becomes open for you. But if you hated school or if you didn't like your teachers at all, uh, that's going to be a huge barrier as well. But I also think the opposite of that, because I have a lot of friends that are in education, teachers of color that went into education to be the person that they didn't have. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's me. So they didn't see it, but they went in to, because they were frustrated. They didn't see it. Potentially, or they had a teacher. Like I, I know one of my uh, good coworkers in Milwaukee, um, she would always talk about how influential a black woman teacher was to her. Oh yeah. She only had one, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. like that, that's a reason why she went into education. Yep. I think that's, I think that tells my story to, to a degree also. So Hannah, you've been at a private school, a religious school and a charter school. So those experiences in and of itself are tremendous because you're able to see a wide spectrum of education in such a short time. Uh, which one, which one uh, pros and cons? Let's go through those private religious charter. What do you, what do you see? What, you know, just keeping it general of, the differences of private religious charter, were there things that you say, this is charter has it going on much better now because of this? What did you see? Um, well, first of all, I like whatever school, I'm down with whatever school's doing good for our babies. I think, I don't care if it's private, charter, public, if you are serving our students and giving them what they deserve, I'm cool with it. Um, differences between the choice uh, private school, because it, it was still like uh, students didn't pay tuition at the school I was at. Um, so it wasn't your traditional private school. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. Obviously the aspect of being able to talk about religion, our students had a word of God class, um, when I was teaching and did not um, and do not currently where I'm at as a both public charter schools. Um, I would say the, the good thing, it's interesting because as I'm thinking about like pros and cons of charter schools, there's similar things. So like, I think a pro of a charter school is the autonomy that they have. Um, obviously with curriculum, with the systems and procedures that they can create and be kind of flexible. Um, I think innovation is huge for charter schools. Um, I also think the 
point that public charter schools a lot of times have their own board. So like instead of MPS, they have one board for every school. Um, I think that can be beneficial when board members are present in the school, kind of know what's going on. Um, but a con of charter schools, and it's going to sound very similar, is the autonomy <laughs> and accountability, I think. So some schools have the ability or they have the autonomy to use their own curriculum. But is that curriculum good enough? Um, they have the autonomy for school operations, for discipline practices, um, but are they serving students? Because I have seen things happen in schools that are not okay. And I'll be the first to admit when I was a Dean, I did things that now I look back on and I'm like, that was not okay. I've apologized to students. I have called families because I think that there's this idea of no excuse charter schools. Um, and Gurner, like when we went to New York, when we went to KIPP, um, that was like my first time ever in a KIPP school. And that was the, the grand dom, right? Like everybody's trying to do what KIPP is doing. Um, and now I work at KIPP in Minnesota and we have a totally different outlook on how to build our curriculum around social justice and what's best for our kids. How do we get kids to read books that are written by black authors? And how do, like, how do kids see themselves in science class? And um, it's okay for them to talk in the hallway. Like that's one thing I look back and I'm like, that's so stupid <laughs> to be completely candid. Um, so, I think that there's, there's charter schools that use the autonomy to their advantage in positive ways. And I have also experienced autonomy in charter schools that have used that to their advantage in very hurtful, oppressive ways. Do, do you see similar, could that argument also be applied to private faith-based schools? Like not argument, but you're, your words that you just said, would that also apply to private faith-based schools? You know, I, I don't have as much experience. The one thing that's really like I have really enjoyed about my current position is that my ninth and 10th grade students that I work with, they go to like 30 different schools in Minneapolis, Twin Cities area. Um, we have an open enrollment system. So students and families don't have to go to their neighborhood school. Um, they can apply to any public school in any district in the state um, and or private school. So like I work with students in charter schools, public schools, private schools. And what I have seen in private schools is similar to the same thing, but I feel like they have more accountability from their board um, and they're held, held to a higher standard than the public uh, charter schools that I've had experience with. And that's specifically like to where I am right now. I like to, uh, I like to do rapid fire here on a couple things. So I'm going to give a phrase and then you just finish it off. What comes to your, comes to your head, yeah. whatever comes. So I wish, I wish teachers would I wish teachers would be more valued. 
I wish school leaders would. I wish school leaders would think outside the box. I wish future educators would. I wish future educators would find an amazing teacher that they can learn from, a mentor, and do get into the work before you get into the work. And my last one here, I wish you, Eugene would. <laughs> I wish Eugene would have put my name in your book. Oh, nice one. Oh, well, I got a couple questions here for you, Hannah. I'm ready for them. This is one that I'm really curious about. I wanted to ask you earlier, but now that you're out of this state, mm -hmm. Milwaukee education is, as we're, we're combining public, private, Charter, you finish it. Milwaukee education is. I think that Milwaukee education is more of a competition than it is a community. Minnesota education is. Minnesota education is it's, it's hard because if I'm speaking specifically to my go school organization a little bit just from what you've seen go past your, your, your place okay. of employment um, Minneapolis education is struggling Okay. Hannah is best at. Hannah is best at making connections and building relationships. All right. So this is one I truly don't know your answer. I like I probably could have I probably could have <laughs> said half your three fourths of your answers for you. Here's one I don't know. And okay. I'm asking this because the listeners, the listeners heard you say earlier you were going to work at six working to 6 p.m. and then doing another four or five hours at home and then re restart. Mm -hmm. So Hannah does what for self-care and rejuvenation? Oh boy. I know my mom loves this question right now. So shout out to my mom. Um, Hannah, for self-rejuvenation and what was the second part? For self-care and self rejuvenation. Um, for self-care and rejuvenation, Hannah gets her nails done. <laughs> um, and uh, and reads. I love to read. I like run through books like nobody's business. Education books or fiction? Any any kind yeah. of books? I, um, any book that I can get my hands on that is relevant to what I'm doing in education. Yes. 
a hundred percent. I will buy. I spend so much money on Amazon prime, um, just on books. It's unbelievable. But my other like guilty pleasure is reading young adult fiction. So like Sharon Draper, um, like the books our kids read and need to read. I can finish one of those in a day. You, you brought up a, a whole nother show when you talked about competition versus community. That That's a huge, huge topic there. I, I, that's, that's one we'll have to explore and bring you back for because I think you're onto something that's really a hindrance in, in many areas in our country. And you competition know, I, I, versus community. I say that, Gerner, because being in Milwaukee, there are so many like standalone schools, right? There's not organizations. There's not networks. There's some, but they're small. And even the, some of the organizations are co competitive, like an unhealthy competitive. Mm -hmm. um, and being in an- See that in your state now? In my, no. That's one thing I do not see here is it's especially being in an organization where we have now 255 schools across the country, the- access to resources, community, people. There's 28 KIPP regions, something around that. There's 28 plus people that do my job that I'm on calls with every single week that we're talking about, hey, I cannot figure out like how to get this kid in touch. I, I don't know how to do this FAFSA for an undocumented student. Like the access to knowledge that I have in this organization is something that is unbelievable. And I have never had before. Um, in Milwaukee, it's, you try to connect with people, but it's always, our school's doing better than yours. Uh, like, oh, what are you doing over there? Like, can I have a PDF of a document so I can't edit it? I got to recreate it. Like little things like that, that I think are, are a huge hindrance and disservice to our students. I, I think you hit that right on, right on target there. And I, what COVID ex will expose you will see more networks coming out because you're going to see some schools closing. You're going to see some schools suffering from this. So you will see networks. That'll be a positive thing. You will see some people saying we have to collaborate or we won't survive. And my last question, as we're wrapping it up here, I want to go back to, you brought up a very, uh, maybe shocking to some of the listeners, but I think real is you start talking about a disservice to students of color, going back to that theme. And I'm thinking of the schools that have uh, maybe one student of color, maybe no students of color. Maybe I'm thinking of parts of our country. It's probably limited, but there are parts of our country yet where it is. Are you saying even that needs to transform that education? Are you saying good education is good education? So what we're doing in Minneapolis should be in Nebraska should be in San Francisco should be in New York or is it so local and so unique to each school setting that we modify the curriculum for our unique students in front of us or it's just good education good education and we know what what it is we're just not letting some students access to it first we Minnesota we don't have it all figured out either so let's just make that clear i don't honestly i don't know if anybody has ha, has it figured out until there are 
until there is equality in schools, whether that be assessments, whether that be discipline policies, no one's going to figure it out. Or that that's how we'll know someone figured it out, right? Um, so I just want to make that caveat that we we know and we openly talk about that, like we have a long way to go. I think that um, in schools that may not be predominantly students of color, one issue that needs to be confronted is like students in middle school and high school, like they're going through their adolescent stage, right? And they're supposed to be trying on all these different identities um, in middle school. And the way that we, we look at a white student going through that versus a black student is very different. White students can go through like the anger and the behavior and it'll be like, oh, they're just, they're just being a kid. But when a black male goes through the identity of that, it's, that's how he's supposed to be, right? Like that's, that's normal. Um, <clears throat> so I think in like, that needs to be addressed in schools. Um, and I just, it, it brings me back to like the no excuses and, you know, Kip has done a really amazing job of like confronting that and like identifying, hey, we've made a lot of mistakes. Now, how, how do we move forward and how do we uplift our students and our staff members um, to give kids what they need? So I think it's the education can be, nationally can be good, but I also like strongly believe that community and the community that your school is in has got to be brought into the classroom. Um, and how vital like the community that, because Minneapolis is not New York City and Minneapolis is not Milwaukee. And those differences need to be highlighted. Um, students need to understand, but then I think it's also the access of, I live in Minneapolis, I know Minneapolis, but I need to be able to travel to Stanford. I need to be able to travel to Clark Atlanta. Um, to, to be able to understand that community. Um, I mean, I could keep talking about like all the, the variations of that, but I think that uh, kind of answers your question. Yeah, thank you. I, this, is, this, is one of our, this is one of our best shows. When you said uh, the, the way students of color are looked at, like my mind went, actually went somewhere else. My, my, my mind went to gender. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but how it's interesting. it's interesting how it's shifted in the past couple of years, though. Right. But but I, I was thinking there are incidents. This is taking me back to my principal days or assistant principal days of where and I'm just going to use an example. Steve Garner is a middle school student, slaps a girl in the butt. Let's call the police. Yep. Hannah, middle school student, slaps a boy on the butt. She's having a bad day. And the way boys and girls are, are managed um, to me is still one of the things I think discourages males of all races into going into education. Um, something that you talked about earlier to one of Steve's questions. So um, like when you said that my mind just, just went into that space. Yeah. Look, look, Hannah, before we go, like, I need the most embarrassing Dr. Gurner story. Oh, I'm ready for this. I have pictures. <laughs> uh oh, pictures. Uh oh. It would work if we had time. 
It we won't do. work. We'll get Hannah back for that question. Nope. Okay. So my Dr. Gruner story is, so I stated before that when I was a junior in college, we did an immersion trip to New York city to go see, um, different schools. And <laughs> it was my first time to New York city. Gurner, first of all, this is him at the airport. <laughs> what, what, what's that on his eyes? Well, those are glasses that he thought were like swaggy. Cool. Did they turn they up. Cool like, they turn up like this. Look at them. Yeah. You still yeah. have those, Doctor Garner? I don't. Those were my New York days. So those were very special too. So that's the first thing. So we show up to the airport, and he's got these sunglasses, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> then we're on like all these these amazing school tours. So we were in Newark, New Jersey, at St. Benedict's, and it's an all boy. Well, it was an all boys school when we were there, um, and there was a, a kid who was a Navy SEAL. Gerner, do you remember this? I, I don't know where you're okay, going with it. You're getting old, it's fine, I'll remind you. So there's a Navy SEAL on campus and there's a pull-up bar. And so this oh. is a picture of the pull-up bar and that's a Navy SEAL. I do remember Gerner that now. Young, And Gerner thinks that he can beat him. So he tries doing pull-ups, Pitchford, he did two pull-ups. <laughs> I do remember that. I'm not shocked. I love, I love all this intel that you're giving me. I love it. The, the experience of New York, like, you know, and New Yorkers are very like, I got somewhere to be. I'm quick. Like they don't want to talk to anybody. We're on the subway. He's talking to people. We don't know where Gurner is. Oh, he found a new friend down the street. Like <laughs> we were at a, waiting for a restaurant. This is another funny picture. Look at, he doesn't know this lady. And he's that close to her. <laughs> We're like, we don't know where. Oh, here's another picture in a group. Like he doesn't know <laughs> that group. So he was all over the place. It was, I mean, I'll never forget that trip. That trip awesome. was a trip. Awesome. That was a great trip. I, I remember all that now you brought it up. I did forget some of those stories. <laughs> that is good. Those people are glad that you are not living in New York. <laughs> now, Hannah, here's how we close out. Amazing job. Um, thank you to the people that are watching this live and you'll get the audio probably within a week, week to eight days. It'll be out on Spotify and Apple, but here's how we close out. You get the space to shout out, to promote, to shout out anything you want or to promote anything you want or things. Okay. It's, it's your space. You can do it however you want to do it. And the order will go like this. I'll go first. Dr. Gurner goes second. Hannah Jaden goes third. Cool. All right. First, we'll give a shout out to Hannah's mom. I believe she's listening out there. Uh, we had a special request to, to put this on here in this version live. So shout out to, uh, to Hannah's mom. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate you joining in. Um, the whole fam. The whole, the whole family, you all, you all, I don't know if they're educators or not, but boy, nope. did y'all create a good educator. Ooh, I, I, would, I would love to follow up more on, on that piece, but outstanding job to, to her family. Uh, we want to give a shout out and, and, and tell everyone uh, to go to amazon.com. You could pick up the book, Superhero Educator. Hannah's showing it right there. 
it's on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Worst case scenario, see Dr. Gerd or myself. We can, we can make sure that you can purchase your copy any way you would like to do it. Dr. Gerner, I'm passing it over to you. All right, thank you. I'd like to thank Hannah Jaden. Always consistent, always powerful, always one of the best. And Hannah made popular, all these schools are talking now, continual improvement, businesses are. Hannah Jaden was the continual improvement movement before there was that whole focus on continual improvement. Always getting better, always wanting the best for the students. So Hannah, I'm confident I'll continue to grow and I'm confident as a parent or a student that they'll benefit from, from her. So I wanna thank you, Hannah, and we'll definitely continue to be in touch. Also, I want to give a shout out to the Center for Urban Education Ministries, a national nonprofit group that works on relentlessly strengthening urban education. On November 18th, we have a free professional development we're offering. Tamika Wesley out of California Lutheran University is talking about utilizing culturally relevant teaching resources. So just what Hannah was talking about, Tamika Wesley will present that, utilizing culturally relevant teaching resources. And you can get to the Center for Urban Education Ministries website, www.cuemnational.org for more information, free professional development. When is that and Hannah, why don't you close us out with something that you'd like to share? Yeah, when is that professional development? Because I definitely want to check. That. November 18th, okay. and we'll go at 5 p.m. Central. Cool. You'll have You're to Zoom. Me. You're on Zoom, right? Zoom, yep. Okay. okay. Awesome. Um, well, first of all, I just want to thank both of you for having me on this platform. Well, first, having the platform in general, I think is so amazing, awesome. If I were a college student, I would listen to it. If I were an educator, I would listen to it, and I am. Um, I listen to all your episodes and I love them. So thank you for having me. Um, I just really appreciate like having candid conversations with both of you. And I know that you have really helped me and shaped me into the person I am today. Um, especially Gerner, you've been there. You've been my day one since I passed out in anatomy class. Um, huge, huge, huge shout out to my students Every student that I've ever worked with, I mean, if you know me, I love my students. Like, I don't care if you say the craziest things, like I have so much love in my heart for them and their families. Um, but special shout out to Sydney, one of my students who got into Concordia. All right. Her, um, her acceptance letter. And so when I was teaching her, we took a trip to Concordia and she got her acceptance letter and I just broke down crying. So shout out to her, shout out to all my other students that are getting college acceptances and their families. It's so exciting to see. Um, I do wanna take some time to um, also just shout out and like in remembrance, I've had two students pass away, one pretty recently. Um, so I just wanna send my love and thoughts to the families of Nequasia and Dennis. Um, on a lighter note, happy plug. If anyone is looking for an amazing team to join, um, we are currently hiring for a college match advisor. So reach out to me if you are interested. It is a dope job on a dope team. Um, so that's my plug for that. And then biggest thing, like I just want everybody to know I am always available to talk. Um, I love connecting with people. I love being able to help people through problems and talk about education. I'm super passionate about it. So um, 
if you are listening and are interested, please reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Hannah, okay, so I'm, I'm a person that's interested. I, I like I like this lady. I've never heard of her. I like I like her. Like, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, like, what's your preferred method? Um, preferred method, add me on Facebook. So it's Hannah, H-A-N-N-A, Jaden, J-A-D-I-N. Um, also email. My email is H-J-A-D-I-N at Kip, Minnesota, K-I-P-P-M-I-N-N-E-S-O-T-A dot org. Now, now Hannah, I, I, I never do this, but I put that Gurner, hold tight. I got two things. And Gurner, you may have to text the next person, but I got two things, Hannah. Just so, just so we stay on time, on a time straight, uh, time constraint, Gurner. Um, Hannah, make sure you say hi to Nicole Hughes for us. Yeah. Keep her in line. Oh, keep, I, keep, her, keep her in line. Yes. And I, I want to. I, I just got to ask this question because it's always in the back of my mind every time I hear you talk and every time I see you. Mm-hmm. It's not education. So, uh, were you an East Coast rap fan or a West Coast rap fan? <laughs> like my money is on West Coast. Uh, I am a down South rap. Fan. I never saw that one coming. Yep. I see you. I see you listening to gangster rap. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Like okay. I. I mean, I like all the above, both coasts, but I really gravitate towards like the south. Okay. I, I learned something. I learned yep. something. I learned something. Interesting. Same thing. That's the same thing Dr. Gurner says. He likes no limit in cash money. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. Paul Wall. Uh, <laughs> that should have been your uh, Halloween costume, Gurner. Oh my God. There Next you go. year. Oh my God. Gurner, I'll help you out with Paul Wall. After yeah. after COVID, absolutely. We had a teacher dress up um like who was he? Um oh no, I can't think of it. But he on Halloween we had kids like wear their costumes and he looked just we thought it was him, the rapper, because <laughs> He had, he had the tattoos, like his wife did the tattoos on his face. I can't think of who it was now, but it was amazing. Garner could be Paul Wall and I could be Mike Jones. We can make it work. Love it. We I'm can make it work. Garner, I'm going to give you the, the pleasantries of closing it out. Again, thank you, Hannah. And appreciate you and what you're doing for students every day. And we will uh, close it out and have a good night, everyone. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.